everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Gaming the System, the podcast where three intersectional feminists examine gaming through a feminist lens. Today, we are your hosts. I am Matt, and I'm with Alex and Jem, who has muted herself, but she said, hello, everyone. Hooray. I can't can't wait to get started. Um, So today uh, we are going to be talking about the male gamer. Our last episode um, uh, was about uh, men in general, where we answered the question, what is a man with, uh, it's complicated. Um, but uh, if you want to know more about our, uh, what we talked about that, go back to our other episode, our last episode. Um, this one, yeah, focusing on male gamers. Um, before we start, if you want to support us, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gaming the system. We've got some special content there. And uh, if, you, if you just want to give us a one-off donation for Christmas, perhaps, uh, you can go to PayPal and send it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com. Okay. I'm going to go to you first, Jem, on this one, because you, uh, you, your uh, class... Uh, your one of your uh, university things came out with quite an offensive impression of what a male gamer is. Um, do you want to do you want to take us away with what uh, what is the stereotypical male gamer? Uh, well, I mean, we were talking about stereotypes and the problem with stereotypes, really. So, um, and it was interesting because at the start of the session, I asked them what. Um, how many of you game and the the majority of them did um so they then i then asked them to to describe a what they thought was a stereotypical gamer um and um and yeah so they generally i gave them um a sort of genderless as much as you can um outline and so the, the the main thing they came up with was obviously male um that they um they were very sedentary they um smelt bad they ate um fast food cheesy food <laughs> came up quite a lot they drank um like uh caffeine drinks and things they didn't go out anywhere they did they didn't um they just wore comfortable clothes all the time and yeah it was it was quite an offensive um description of of a a gamer um and uh, and obviously it was a male gamer and i think what was really interesting was that i did say to them when they were halfway through describing this character i did say you know like i don't think that any of you lot actually look like this or come across like this so it was interesting to see how even when they sat in that room and said i'm a gamer they still went on to describe this very stereotypical idea of a of a, a young man who's you know just i don't know whiling away his time surrounded by crisp packets and pizza boxes and things so yeah and i sent it to uh, i shared shared a um shared it to um matt and alex and uh yeah 
<laughs> Matt was <laughs> slightly offended, I think, sort of <laughs> as the male gamer in the group. <laughs> yeah, that was quite, I felt quite attacked. Um, Alex, how about you? Yeah, I think um, the description that Jem was supplied by her class um, is probably maybe the Hollywood version of a gamer that we see in film and TV, perhaps. Um, that's not really a fleshed out character. It's it's a stereotype, isn't it? Um, but if I was to answer the question, which is what is a gamer? Is that what you asked, Matt? Or is my brain taken a... It was, yes. Okay. Yeah. Again, very difficult question to answer because we know we're gamers and we don't fit any particular mould per se. Um, I suppose if you were to describe a male gamer, there's obviously there's other types of stereotype, so they're probably very nerdy. <laughs> um, they're probably, uh, maybe, possibly, not the most popular people in within certain social groups, let's say. But it then again depends, obviously, because... You can have your nerdy groups as well. Um, you can have the type of gamer that only plays certain types of games, which, again, can have some impact on the way you perceive a gamer. You can have the types of gamers that only play games like FIFA, which uh, I encountered a lot during university. Um, and I used to be quite a snobbish gamer back at them and say, well, oh, well, you're not a real gamer if you only play FIFA. Really, are you? Um, you know, so that was some game snobbery on my part. Um, but they were all sort of quite lads, lads, let's say. You know, they'd play FIFA as part of their pre-drinking routine, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, again, not fully answering the question, but I suppose there are as many forms of gamer as there are forms of person, because we know gaming is a very popular pastime. So that. That would be my answer to that question. <laughs> so the common theme of these things is that it's complicated. Indeed, yes. And again, the, uh, the theme of that you are you are you first, and then a man second, and a gamer around that as well. Um, but it's the chaining of um, men to. Petition, their position of privilege and power in society. Um, it just it it will negatively impact your life to such a massive extent because um, I've been. Uh, we'll come on to actually. Yeah, we'll come on to this in a minute. Actually, um, the so the the. Um, in Barbie, again, the Kens turn Barbie Land into the Kendom, which I think is hilarious. Mm. It's a fantastic, fantastic word for it. Um, and they become the this pathetic <laughs> version of what they think men are supposed to be. And it's just a load of pathetic bollocks that's just really just awful an awful way to live an awful way to and when the barbies aren't like 
saying we don't want this. The Kens just carry on in that happy, idiot, stunted growth, which adds on even more to my theory that most men are stop developing at the age of fifteen. They all they all end up like those Kens behaved, and when men and boys their first um like instinct is to oh i don't know who i am i'll be this version of what men are supposed to be and then it just turns everything into a a men's toilet that's the perfect that's the perfect like metaphor for the world that men build for themselves when they go with what men are supposed to be they just go we're in charge of this it's only for us we turn it into this awful crime against nature but then when we're in charge of when men are in positions of power all over the world then that's what happens to the world and then everyone has to live in this in this place and men just go oh it's fine it's fine for us so that's it and we don't have to do that and us you don't have to go we don't have to live like that and men don't have to live like that and i just i want to smash into men's heads in a loving way that for the most part women don't want men to just arbitrarily suffer they don't want men to be miserable to be lonely to be sad that's not the goal of feminism the goal of feminism is equality and it's so easy for men to be radicalized because, uh, Alex, you said the quote from Star Wars, the fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate he's to suffer, leads to suffering. Going back to Barbie again with Ken, perfectly played by Ryan Gosling. Um, when Barbie says, I can't be with you, he is terrified. You can see how completely terrified he is. And then... And when in that state, men are so easily uh, recruited by con men and misogynist men like the Andrew Tates of the world, who go, "Oh, you're you're only af- you're not afraid. Men don't get afraid; they get angry. So when a woman, he might think Barbie is making me feel afraid, but that's not true." Barbie is going, I can't be with you. I can't be uh, part of your life. And that's her right as an equal person to walk away. And the man needs to go, oh, I'm, I can still be a man and be afraid and go from there and look at who I am from here. Whereas it's so much easier and so and with so few male role models to exemplify this kind of dynamic that Ken does is um, really um, it's too easy for men to turn that fear into anger and hate towards women. Um, And yeah, and online that's even easier because especially we find most male gamers and most gamers I imagine spend more time on the internet than than the average person and it just opens up to more opportunities to be um, 
conditioned by these negative role models who don't care about women. They care about money and power. That's what that's at the core of what they want. It's not about masculinity. It's not about a better world for men. It's about better world for them. Um, okay. What next question? We talked about a male gamer. What do you think the stereotypical view of a feminist male gamer or a feminist male ally gamer? Again, a very interesting question. Not one that's easily definable because I don't think a feminist, whether they're male or female, has any discernible physical attributes that you could easily spot within a crowd unless they have like a pin (laughs) that says, oh, I'm a feminist or something. Um, Yeah, I think it's more, it would probably be more to do with how they act within, say, like a a multiplayer game if they speak up when someone's being a dick to someone else or if they're, you know, fair-minded and open about that and and speak up um, instead of being sort of silent and almost complicit with things when, when things uh, go in those sorts of directions, that's probably a good sign of, a, of an ally or a feminist male gamer. Um, but yeah, I think definitely more actions than anything uh, uh, visually discernible. Um, and just, you know, being open and supporting women in the industry and other female gamers um, and their right to exist and to do cool stuff. Uh, that's what I think I would summarise as a feminist male gamer. Yeah. Pretty awesome people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think you've you you sort of summed it up really well there, Alex. I think, you know, it's about actions, isn't it? It's about how allyship is is what I always come back to on this sort of um, topic, you know, and allyship is all about supporting other people and using your privilege whatever that may be and we all have a little bit of it um, and using our privilege to try and raise up other people who might not have that privilege Um, and as so I think that's that's something I think being active being proactive about these things like you said Alex and you know actively calling out um misogynistic or sexist um, behaviour and, um, you know, it's not enough just to not do it. It's not enough just to be, a re- a, you know, a reasonable human being. I think you, I think you have to actively stand against it and that means, you know, sometimes having uncomfortable conversations with people or, or sometimes stepping aside to let... Uh, somebody else have an opportunity and I think we can all do that in our lives and that to me is kind of at the heart of um, genuine sort of feminism and is it egalitarian I don't know get my words mixed up but um, yeah I think um, 
I don't know what they look like. <laughs> I've met quite a few, <laughs> and they look very all look very different. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's uh, again. I I got a um, do an episode about um, power versus privilege sometime next year because they're they're different things, um, and they're both uh, extremely interesting. And um, I I think I think I've with those uh, two very reasonable uh like measured positive responses to um to what a uh a feminist male gamer is um i have been well it's impossible not to come across a couple of the um the epithets that are ascribed to men in general but uh, a lot of male gamer stuff is this um Baiters, cucks, tamed, whipped, and low T. Those are some of the most common ones. One of the very funny ones come found recently is cowardly pussy men. And that, <laughs> that's so. That's again all these things that that perfectly sum up um, what men who do not try and fit into this um uh so when when a man says i don't know who i am um then what it should be is oh you've been taught your entire life that everything to do with man so beta cuck tamed whipped they're all to do with women saying that oh you let yourself be ruled over by women defining yourself by that and uh and so those voices come in very very quickly very aggressive no you're wrong to feel like this you should feel like this um rather than getting to that point and going oh but i'm okay i'll see what i like um and all of these things of by defining what a man are what a man is as how someone relates to women interacts with women um is it says in saying to men, men, you're supposed to be at the top of the social hierarchy and women are supposed to be beneath you. And that means that in every area of masculinity, it completely destroys the possibility of a man tweeting, treating a woman equally. Because you go, oh, even though I, I, uh, there are plenty of men who are kind to women, who have good relationships with women, but they still think of themselves as superior. They still think there there are gender roles, and again, that thing of there are male allies to feminism who think it's their job to safeguard women, to lead them on the way to to wherever they want to go, rather than being oh, I'm the same as them. I have I have a different amount of privilege to them, and that's the privilege that I can use that can be something that they can get support from. So yeah, all these things, these very aggressive attacks of going immediately, you don't know who you are. This is who you are and anything else is bad and you're pathetic. And then it's very, very easy to get men to, to go, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to appease these people. Um, Now the, difficult the probably the most difficult part um 
haven't talked about union organizing for a while. Um, but I think there's a uh, a strategy that is the best thing to use when you're trying to build collective power. Um, so one of the problems, the biggest problems with a lot of um, union organizing stuff is that uh, they end up preaching to the converted. So if you've got a workplace of a thousand people, um, you might get a hundred people who are fully on board, but then it turns into every month. It's those same a hundred people at a meeting and they, they care about a lot and they do a lot, but they're only 10% of the workforce because they just, they keep on just having conversations with themselves. The difficult part, which is the work, the actual hard work of it is you need to get people who don't agree with you to get them to get them on board. And that's extremely difficult because you can't force someone to care about something that you care about. Um, and it's very, very hard. As I'm sure both of you know, talking to men, it's very, very difficult to get men on board with feminism because of all the problems we've just talked about and in our previous episode of what it means to be a traditional man to to accept the truth of what feminism is. And the, the way I got into it was through the guilty feminist, which is a massive tool for good. Um, but the, um, the strategy that um, is recommended for union organizing is 100% of the focus needs to be on what the man wants. And so say to them, what do you want? Um, what do you care about? And they might go, oh, I, the suicide statistics in uh, 2021 are 74% men in the United Kingdom. And I'm scared of that. And then rather than you don't go, well, feminism would help with that because you don't have to be strong. You don't have to be superior. You don't have to behave with anger and violence you can be the way you are and feel the way you are and then just go from there. Then you can go to say to them, well, what would make that feel better? What would make that better? Why do you feel, why are you worried about that? It says, oh, things are difficult. Things are getting more expensive. And the point of it is to always start from the person that you're talking to and then you show them that the only solution is either so union organizing or feminism because the conversation will inevitably go to and you don't have to do it in one conversation you go to well men aren't allowed to be emotional you're not allowed to cry are you you're not allowed to say to your friends i'm really struggling and to be like ken in barbie to just burst into tears and lie face down on the bed and that's that's a funny it can be just oh that's just a funny thing but it made me very sad thinking the amount of times that i felt like that and that i have had to just hold on to it and keep it up locked inside and that is 
the damage that patriarchy does to men. That's what I think. That's a way to get men on board because it's easy to come to someone and say, oh, have you seen these rates to men? Have you seen that this thing could be better for you? This thing could be better for you. This thing could be better for you. You need to find out what they care about first and then go from there. And I really think that I, yeah, I just, I, I really believe in that. Um, and yeah, so I just, my, my question is what do you guys think is a way to convert the average male gamer to being a, a at least an ally to feminism? Well, in broad terms, it's like what you've been saying. All you have to do is think about problem solving. And it's like you've said, you've got to work out what people care about and you can apply it to across all areas of life. These are things that I've picked up, like in my studies on museum collections care and in my day job when I'm looking at trying to break down disabling barriers in society today. Um, you know, you can apply it all across everywhere. What you have to think about is what do these people value most and how can I get what I want, my argument for what my what I want <laughs> to kind of align with what they value. In the same way, like in the way I could describe it, I guess, if you're doing an elevator pitch to a manager, say in a collections care scenario, um, you have your museum manager whose value is what's the most cost-effective way of operating this museum. <laughs> and you want to make an argument as a collections care person, we need lots more money to look after this collection. So you have to pitch it in a way that says, we can do this thing that looks after the collection, but it's cost-effective because blah, 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 blah. So then you'd have to pitch it in a cost-effective way. In the same way, you can apply it to male gamers. How? What your question was, how do you turn male gamers into feminist allies is that what you were asking that yes is to think about what do they value most and that is i suppose well we'd have to work out what that is first <laughs> which would probably be different for every different person and say well your experience will be better when we think about it from a feminist perspective or when we have a more you know things are just more equal and equitable and everyone is more included because what 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 do you gain from excluding people in reality is just not a lot <laughs> like we've talked about it in a lot of episodes on the pod everything is better when there is diversity when there is inclusion and when there is equity um and it's breaking down those preconceptions and those assumptions well you know, those those people might be thinking, but if we include women, that means there's less for us. Actually, no. You've always you've always had a certain amount. You've always had the, that privilege that we've talked about, and it's getting people to see that actually nothing's being taken away from you. Just more people are joining you on that level that you're already on, um, and it's getting them to to see that from. A point of view where they can see the value in that, uh, which is not a specific answer, but is definitely a broad way of looking at the problem. And you can put it across all different areas of life, and it's definitely a key skill in life. So, definitely something to take away 
for sure. <laughs> Sound like I'm delivering an uh, employability lecture, but I'm not. It's just useful to know. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's it. In a nutshell, I think we both covered covered it all. I, I firstly, I would say that if if you're interested in this subject, then I would definitely recommend reading "Men Who Hate Women" by Laura Bates, who um, came to fame with the Everyday Sexism Project, um, and there's also that book, a book by the same name, and she she documented on her website um cases of sort of mic I suppose yeah we would call them micro micro aggressions now but it, it wasn't always micro <laughs> um it's not it, it none of it's comfortable reading everyday sexism isn't comfortable reading and men who hate women is definitely not comfortable reading um but it does talk about the sort of dark side of the of the geek um world um and but it but she she talks a lot about the motivations and the reasons why um, things are the way they are. I think both of you have talked really eloquently, actually, and clearly about how how we would go about sort of bringing people round to um, our way of thinking, which is the right way. <laughs> And, um, you know, and I think it is always about making people understand how it benefits them. I think that we are at a really risky time in our society. Um, and I think this is an international issue, not just a local issue. I think, you know, we are at a really key time democratically around the world and there's a there is definitely a very concerted effort by the far right um to work together broadly on an international level um and we know that there is um international funding of a lot of um sort of right leaning and far right um attitudes and opinions about various things and we're calling it the culture wars which sort of makes it seem like a not such a bad thing but actually it's quite a quite a scary thing that's happening in this country and in other countries where where they're further away we say oh it's the far right um i think there's that problem and i think that that is going to is is clashing with um, international economic shifts and power shifts. And I think that then also is going to be compounded by the climate crisis and the, the coming storm, to uh, quote another really good podcast that I would recommend um, on the, from the BBC. Um, I think all of these things are coming together to create a perfect storm and to cause fundamental problems with people's day-to-day lives. So all of that big global stuff, the geopolitical situation, which feels very over there, I think the problem is, is that that then impacts on my ability 
to do the things that I enjoy, to afford the computer games that I want to play, to have the time to play them, our leisure time, our free time, our stress levels, our um, general anxiety levels, all of those things are impacted by these, these international things. And we've said it multiple times in this session and, and our last podcast, you know, fear is the problem here. It's fear that breeds all of this sort of negativity and all of these things. And so my concern is that we have a really big challenge ahead of us and things are difficult and things are and these things are not easy to fix and then you have Andrew Tate come in and go it's all their fault it's all her fault man you know like just man up and and suddenly they're offering you know the Donald Trump's of the world they're offering a solution that appears to be much easier than you know what we're talking about offering and I think that's that's what worries me it's like can we compete with that because short-term gratification it, it seems to be what people are all going for sorry Matt you said this was going to be a lighter session didn't <laughs> <you>? <laughs> uh, I've got a funny thing to finish off with um, but yeah you're right the <laughs> The, the the core of this when we say it right and stuff and uh, the 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 global situation is that things are going to getting worse for everyone at every level of society and things are going to get harder and the powerful built their power based on a large part of capitalism is built upon the unpaid labor of women so they have a vested interest in keeping women subjugated and they're the ones that are responsible for everything getting worse in every way in every country it is the billionaires the multi-millionaires and the politicians and the corporations that have they create the world that we live in they're the reason things are getting more expensive. They're the reason that climate change is deteriorating. They're the reason for people not being able to buy houses. They're the reason people are having to work longer hours, not getting paid as much. They're the reason for everyone's lives getting more difficult. And so that's why they fund so much media, the mainstream media, the massive Fox News in America, Ben Shapiro, every single massive right-wing pundit you can find, they are paid for by billionaires whose their only goal with all this propaganda that they put the money into is it's someone else's fault. Just find that someone else's fault. It's trans women's fault. Every problem that you have is because of a trans woman. And oh, and it, uh, refugees as well. Refugees coming here in little boats. That's the reason why you can't afford to buy a house. And black people is the reason that you can't get an appointment on the NHS. All of these things. It's about scapegoating. And oh, yeah, that's that's a really good. That, yeah, that's a brilliant. Well, we'll finish with just one fun thing. Um, in our last episode, there was a guy called Roosh. 
who did a website called um, Return of Kings, where he was a massive, like, massive leading the conversation on uh, on articles like um, lots of cuck stuff. Um, so he was saying, oh, I think it was 16, 16 signs that you're a weak beta male, <laughs> uh, 30 signs that a woman has been with over 100 men. And he was the one who had the idea of there should be a fat shaming women week every year. So he was right at the center of a lot of this really just rough, nasty, aggressive stuff. But uh, he has taken the site down forever. Okay. Um, and can either of you guess why? Hmm. Probably some really what ironic this reason, hopefully. Uh, no idea. He's had mm. a daughter. He's had a nope daughter. He's <laughs> repented. He has. He's repented. Oh. He's repented. Uh, he had a uh, a death in the family, ah. which no one that sucks for everyone. So that's not the thing. Uh, the thing is, he that led him to have a religious conversion. So. Is so well the in a very short description. So now he now he writes things like eight personal defects that allowed me to worship fornication for eighteen years. I lived most of my life under demonic influence. Uh, okay. Game <laughs> game is for fallen women. Um, only God can find you a good wife. Um, Thirty three things Christian men should know about women. Okay, so, so maybe not great. I don't know. Yeah, Sounds like he's gone from one end to another. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I thought that this was going to be a story. If yeah. you know, like, well, if he can change, no change. <laughs> Do we want to change yeah. now? Don't know. Um, yeah, so this is an example of where you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just thought that was really funny, yeah. but just the, the, the extremeness <laughs> of it. And also religion all being about men have power in every religion in the world. It's going through to another wow. area. Oh, this is what a man is supposed to be. Um, and Yeah. I mean, we could have yeah. a whole episode on religion as well, couldn't we? But yeah. Yeah. But that's enough for today. Yes. That's, we've, that's, we've, I think, uh, again, <laughs> as, as normal, we have a billion more things that we could say, but we are going to go to bed because it is late. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Uh, we uh, New content every Thursday. And uh, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash game the system for uh, some special content. Or if you want to send us a one-off donation, then you can send that to uh, on PayPal to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.